What's good, LL Nation? Lucky Lefty Podcast. I guess we can call it an emergency podcast because we'll be right back with you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, you see the comments already lining up. Excited that you guys are jumping in with us. I want to talk about uh, what's going on? What the hell is going on with the wide receiver position at Notre Dame? And uh, the narratives that are out there and how it's impacting recruiting. Uh, Tobias Merriweather was in uh, South Bend this weekend. Things went really well. Seems like he's going to uh, end up signing with Notre Dame on tomorrow. And his pops is looking for barbecue places in South Bend this weekend. So that's, right. that's, that's always a good sign, you know, when pops is on social media like, yo, give me the uh, barbecue places before we dive in. As always, the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SB2 Mics. That guy right there, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik, I, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik, presented and featuring Adora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com, get some of that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. So, back to the message at hand. Yeah, man. Tobias Merriweather, solid. Omorian Walker, dude, you know, flirting with Michigan. Just, just flirting with Michigan for like the last month, month and a half. Who knows what happens tomorrow. And then, you know, C.J. Williams had an in-home visit from Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reeves last week. According to him, everything went well. You know, he was, like, kind of reaffirmed and loved what Tommy Reeves said. But he was going to take a trip with, like, 12 other players from Southern California up to USC this weekend. Uh, they went to the USC basketball game yesterday. It was a really good weekend. And um, – First and foremost, particularly for C.J. Williams, um, you've seen him play. You're out there coaching in California. With the decommitment of C.J. Williams, what is Notre Dame really missing? Well, I think right now it's just it's the you know some not everybody buys into the Marcus Freeman hype just yet. Some people want to be able to be in an established situation. Coach Kelly provides experience, and he can reach back. Years and years on how how well in depth he has been in the college football landscape, it can give a family some confidence. But a guy like C.J. Williams, he went to a school like Modern Day. Their head coach has been there for centuries, so he's looking and he probably feels as though an established head coach probably gets him where he wants in the game. And you know you can respect that. I think if anything, this offers Marcus Freeman an opportunity to get a bona fide receivers coach, get a get a guy with a big name, a guy that flashes. I know Brian Harline was talking about, we know how that couldn't happen, but getting a guy out there that's got a big name, you know, Kerry Cooks and Todd Light are, are examples. Notre Dame, we had Matt LaFleur, you know, right. so we can get some, some guys that flash across the screen as great uh, assistant coaches and great uh, position coaches uh, to, to – attract those CJ Williams star players that are more bona fide in the in the rankings but also you get a chance to uh, look at it from the perspective of okay we may not like that recruit uh, like CJ we may get a 
a guy that may be uh, underrated and get a guy that uh, wants to step up to the plate and buys in. You know, those are the, those are the Marcus Freeman recruits that we're looking for, and it's something that we can definitely do. So on film, what type of receiver is C.J. Williams and how would he have fit into the offense and where do you see him fitting for USC? Well, C.J., what I really like about him, he's got the great size. You know, not too many receivers have great size coming out of out of high school. Some of them got, you know, some, some frame they have to add to. I know Miles Boykin was a guy. Equinemius was a guy that we added right onto a frame. But CJ's a, a ready-to-go player that you can plug and play right now in a college system because he's got the size and, and he'll look the part. But also, he's an all-around receiver. He has the ability to go downfield. He has the ability to go across the middle. He can catch some screens. So him being as versatile and all-around receiver, that's something that's a solid piece to have in a great receiver room. You go to all the great receiver rooms right now, the Ohio State, the Alabamas of the world. They have a great all-around receiver. Jamison Williams is Alabama's great all-around receiver. So these are examples of what it takes uh, to build an all-star receiver room, and C.J. Williams is definitely a solid piece for that. So, man, when we look at Dale Alexander, because, you know, I really want to get into a couple of things, and we're not going to keep everybody long, man. We'll get to your comments here. Um you look at 2018, it's like Lawrence Keyes, Michael Jones, they're gone, you know, and Cam Hart and Abdul Rahman, Kendall Abdul Rahman in 2019, Cam Hart's a wide receiver. Abdul Rahman is transferred. And it's like, you know, you look at the work and the resume of wide receiver coach Dale Alexander, and as much as Marcus Freeman says he likes, you know, this current staff and the guys on the staff, <sighs> It's, it's recruiting is one thing, retention is another thing, and then development is another thing. And I just don't think Dale Alexander has done a good job in any of those areas since he's been here as a wide receiver coach at Notre Dame. So, you know, with that being said, you know, Marcus Freeman has to take a take a look at this man because ultimately, moving forward. We're going to get into how much of this is going to fall on Tommy Reese to change this narrative, but the narrative about wide receivers in Notre Dame and the pipeline to the NFL, even though, look, we just watched, we're watching Ben Skoranek play for the Rams right now on Monday Night Football, but nobody's looking at Ben Skoranek, a high school kid, saying, yo, that's a dude that stands out for me and, you know, is the pipeline that Notre Dame has to the NFL. Like, this narrative has to change. And like you said, you know, as much as Marcus Freeman has been kind of like a wave to ride for the university and for the fan base, you know, some of these youngsters just aren't buying into it. Yeah, and that's just some of the lumps and the experiences that uh, he's going to have to face as a head coach, which is where his head coach experience will come in and making hires that that are going to suit what the situation fits. I think that's something Coach Kelly had a strong suit in. I remember us losing Coach Martin. We rebound with a map of the floor. I mean, that's a great way to uh, pick up on a coach where he was the center of what we were doing on offense. Get a guy like Matt LaFleur to come in and, and pick up where he left off. I think that was a great hire. So this is just an opportunity for Marcus Freeman to take a look at, you know, the resume once again. I think recruiting shows an early 
a sign that you have to reevaluate maybe the staff if you're not attracting the right players like you were before. And, you know, this is one of those tough conversations you have to have as a head coach. You know, Dell Alexander definitely has been a part of some great teams and some receiver rooms that have been pretty solid. I mean, like you said, Ben Speronic was playing. I mean, Chase Claypool's playing. But those, I mean, even those are guys that don't stick with you if you're, as a recruit, if you're looking to follow that kind of path. Even with a Chase Claypool, he didn't start being Mapletron until the league. You know, I mean, that that's something we always knew on the team, but it was never on that, that kind of stage for a Notre Dame football team. So it's really important that he does reevaluate the receiver room, but it's still early. I mean, hey, it's one guy. I think Marcus Freeman is still getting his guys in there. I mean, we haven't even begun to see the type of effect is really taking place. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to lose some guys considering that they committed to a different, uh, different program. You know, committing to a Coach Kelly program is different than a Marcus Freeman program. Yeah, Lucky Lefty Podcast with Sean Davis, Malik Zaire, talking about the decommitment of C.J. Williams from modern day. Uh, all signs point to him signing with USC. You know, there are a lot of stories out there saying he's going to wait to reveal uh, his choice at the All-American, U.S. All-American game. But, look, we, we, we knew what it was, and we knew the chances that once he said he's going to visit USC this weekend with a lot of other players that he knew from Southern California. You knew the vibe. You know they were going to feel like they could be the resurgence of USC. And it's a wave that Lincoln Riley has out there, similar to Marcus Freeman on the West Coast. So, you know, it's yeah, not – you know, Lincoln Riley is a master recruiter, and this is a, it's a great spot for him to be in at USC. He wants to gobble up those West Coast recruits as fast as he can. Yeah. And he's got the pizzazz. I mean, how are you not going to at least take a visit? You're right in the hometown. They've had a knock on them for a long time. And a guy like Lincoln Riley, you think of Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, you know, Jalen Hurts, all the type of players he's had. And if, and if anything, you know one thing is for sure, you're going to have a solid quarterback throwing you to rock. This, this is something that, you know, Coach Freeman has to look at with making splash recruitments at quarterback. Yeah. These receivers know who they like throwing to, and they, they know that Malachi Nelson has 5 million yards in high school, and these quarterbacks are having some great stats. They're number one quarterbacks. And then they talk about Lincoln Riley. So these California kids see the writing on the wall with what Lincoln Riley has put out there on the field. And with Marcus Freeman not having that position yet, it's hard to really gauge what you're going to get on offense as the final product, especially at the quarterback position. That's the next point. That's a perfect segue. I, and I hate to say it because a lot is on his plate to prove himself as a play caller, but, hey, Tommy Rees has to go out and get a Dante Moore, bro. Like, if you're going to change this whole thing around, like, this this pressure falls on Tommy Rees. This is in his court. The ball is in his court. Yeah. Like, you got to go get a difference maker at the quarterback position. You got to change the narrative in the quarterback room. And like you said, these kids being on the circuit, the 11-on-11 and all these camps, they know who is who. They know who the top guys are. So, you know, we just saw South Carolina, you know, moments after Spencer Rattler committed to South Carolina, then one of the best tight ends in the transfer portal said, okay, I'm coming there too. Yeah. Like, 
wide receivers and guys that you know are specialists, wide receivers, athletes, tight ends, those that catch the ball, they want to go somewhere where they know they have a top-notch quarterback. And you know, we like Tyler Buckner. We're looking forward to seeing how he can develop and what Tommy Reese can do with him. But the quarterback position in Notre Dame hasn't been stellar. Hasn't been stellar. And so it definitely hasn't been stellar enough to attract free agents. And this is just the new game that has come down to. And with a guy like Marcus Freeman, we can play more into the transfer portal. We can play more into the non-traditional style of recruiting outside of a Brian Kelly style of recruiting, which will be refreshing for us. We can go play with a team that we can put together on the fly and be an LSU that gets these Joe Burrows and gets these uh, one-off recruits. We can be a team like that because we can attract a vibe like that. And it definitely starts at the quarterback position. Tommy Reese, you know, like you said, is on center stage. You can't hide behind a great defense, can't hide behind a head coach that's a headliner. He's definitely in that position where it's going to be the spotlight and it's going to come down to who his quarterback is. So it's no longer game manager. You know, a lot of things are going to change considering Marcus Freeman's a defensive coach. So he can only go so far in convincing a five-star quarterback to come to his to to his place. You know, Coach Kelly can, you know, because he can he can just show his resume. I mean, he's even going down there. Even getting in the, I mean, hundreds of million dollars change a man real quick. I mean, he's down there in the recruiting, taking pictures and the spin around pictures. I mean, he's committed 100%, but you know, he's going to get a quarterback that fits his kind of style, and he's got that. So, what is Tommy's style going to be? I didn't think the first thing Tommy's quarterback would look like is Tyler Buckner. But, you know, this is something where Tyler Buckner's in the hot seat as well. You know, this is Notre Dame. So, being in position to get ready to play is important, but uh, this spring is going to be a good look for Marcus Freeman to maybe tap Tommy Reese on the shoulder and be like, look, we've seen what we need to see in the spring. You know, we got Ohio State. We need to go get a guy. You know, it's still enough time to get a guy. So I think the spring is a good trial run for this, but it's definitely uh, quick adjustments got to be made because this first game is, a, is one that you want to make a splash. Even if we don't win, we don't want it to be a, a Michigan State appearance. Yeah. So let's go to some of these comments and questions. Captain and Coke 70 sucks losing CJ. However, we would still have the chance for some uncommitted kids after the early signing period. Just remember how Will Fuller fell in our laps. Keep the faith. Um, that's an option. But if you want to be a top-notch program, you know, you don't want to live off of late uncommitted kids, especially if they're not elite. You know, if you want to get back in on a Xavion Bradshaw who just picked up an offer from Virginia Tech, I want to say recently, because before that, you know, he really didn't have any of the big-time programs on him. Notre Dame was on him. Uh, he visited the campus. His official visit was, like, this June. And I, from what we can tell and things we've heard, there were some issues maybe with him, you know, possibly academically and some other things that came into play. I don't know if Notre Dame is interested in getting back on him. He's definitely a difference maker out of Virginia. But, no, you don't want to live like that. Like, Will Fuller is like a, a unicorn, man. Like, you don't get guys that fall to you like that late. You're muted, bro. Yeah, Will Fuller was like a, a three-star in the middle of uh, Catholic school in Philadelphia. Like, that's a 
Right. That's a that's a that's a really great pick. And we I recruited Will Fuller. It wasn't like, you know, Will just Brian Kelly just whisked him away. I mean, we put some work in when Will came up to school as well. But in this recruiting game, you know, I think the stability that Brian Kelly holds as a as a factor, yeah, it goes away. And so this is a fresh, raw, uh, a new a new thing. You know, not always is are some recruits okay with the new vibe. I think Lincoln Riley has a better shot at the new vibe, considering he's already had that wave of young, fresh. Uh, type of talent that he's been working with. I mean, his recruiting at Oklahoma was ridiculous with a bunch of five stars and no defense. So, you know, this is a that's a perfect situation with Marcus Freeman and you recruit worldly. I mean, I don't know how many Germans and you know Chinese players and all type of players all around the world we're gonna be getting and Canadians we're gonna be looking after. But I think Marcus Freeman has a a harder job in the recruiting landscape, just covering all the bases, but it starts with your position coaches. So, you know, one step at a time, I think the position coaches is something to look at, but the spring is a great test run uh, to get some of the big, big things that you want to get out of the way. And that's the quarterback and moving forward. All right, Lionel Andrews, shout out to you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Why well, go to a coach that didn't even recruit you? Good luck starting over with his guys. Let me it, it, this you can talk about this. Notre Dame is in a sticky situation, right? Because Notre Dame is on the cusp of being like an elite level program, right behind the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Ohio States. And they need difference makers. And the difference makers know that they can go to a program like Notre Dame that's stock is going up, rising. But the truth of the matter is guys in Florida and guys in, in California grow up wanting to play at local schools. Like, that's where their heart is. Yeah. Like, yo, CJ grew up. He said his first visit was from a coach at UCLA. And then his favorite school is USC. And modern day has been a pipeline straight to USC. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Young would have gone to USC if it wasn't for the culture. And CJ Williams said that the culture has been bad. You know, and Lincoln Riley said he's about to change the culture, and I'm interested in that. And it's the same thing with Devin Moore down in Florida. Yeah, he decommitted because his heart. And when you hear guys say, like, the back of my mind, the back of my mind, guys like Devin Moore and C.J. Williams, what they're really saying is, man, I really didn't want to go to Notre Dame, but it was the best option. Like, I never really wanted to go to Notre Dame, but the way things have played out and with all the local schools being down and not the culture being bad – it was the best option. And now things have changed. You know, Billy Napier is at Florida. He's yeah, and that's just and that's, and that's something that you got to deal with, man. That's yeah. like, you got to be a certain type of recruit to want to go to Notre Dame because that's. it's such a out of the blue, a hard choice to make because you really like going to boarding school, you know, like going to Harry Potter uh, type school is different. You know, you go into a different landscape. So guys from California, guys from Florida, guys that come from Florida, Notre Dame are different guys as well. You know, these aren't the guys you see at Florida and the guys you see at Miami. These are these are guys that are thinking different. So, you know, that's that's one of the complications that Notre Dame wishes had even before Brian Kelly, which Brian Kelly kind of like got it all kind of together. But in the in the midst of figuring it out, I mean, with Charlie Wise era, I mean, we didn't have 
the Alabama recruits of today either. You know, yeah. it's, it's still a hard thing to really come about. So for Marcus Freeman, I think he loses some of that stability from a lot of these top recruits who are used to um, that stability that we talked about from a guy that they know. All right, I look at his resume. He got 15,000 NFL guys he done since the league. I got a good chance. You know, Marcus Freeman is like, okay, I'm, I'm excited, but do I want to put my career at the hands of a new head coach? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much support the university has behind Marcus Freeman, knowing that when you're getting off of a 12-year, you you've been dating a girl for 12 years, and then you start dating a new girl. I mean, it, it's going to take some time. I mean, there's going to be a lot of memories that you're going to have. to know each other. Yeah, so you go, you know, some things that the old girlfriend used to do, the new girlfriend might not do. And so we're going to see the reaction. You know, we don't want to want to see it go revert back to maybe we should have been picked different. So, yeah, it's it'll cool. be good to see. Yeah. As long as Jack Swarbrick isn't calling him Brian by mistake. You know, that's the worst <laughs> thing you can do. It's yeah, called, that's calling Brian by mistake. You don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be calling out the ex girl's name. In the wrong situation. Yeah, this is the I'll make it work. Don't do that. Lucky, lucky podcast. Sean Davis with my guy Malik Sayer. We'll be with you just a little bit longer talking about what's going on with the wide receiver position, uh, recruiting, retention, development. And development has been a problem as well. Uh, it's been well chronicled. You know, we talked about this on Irish Breakdown with our guys that you know, when Chase Claypool came back. And uh, Chris Fink talked about this, like coming back to the pro days and just, you know, sharing with some of the other players, like everything he's learned, like in the first couple of weeks of camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers that he never learned in four years at Notre Dame, at the you know, from the position coach. So it makes you question like, yo, what's being taught? Like, yo, so do we need like a Brian Hartline type? to come down somebody that's actually played the game at a high level that can come down and teach how to release and how to stay confident and not to allow defensive backs to take you out of your game. Your mental approach, all the things we saw Kevin Austin struggle with early in the season, but eventually, you know, he realized like I'm the big dude out here. So let me go ahead and dictate to these defensive backs what's going to happen on this football field today. So, you know, it's just a question that, Search a green knight was search a green nine said Freeman going to make the same mistake that Kelly made and keep underperforming coaches on staff too long. Well, you know, he wasn't about to make staff changes going into the bowl game, but we'll see. Like, he's on the clock, uh, January 2nd, he's on the clock with his yeah, staff. Well, like, well, for one, he's never been a head coach, so we don't know what he's gonna do in terms of hiring or firing coaches, but. Like you said, I mean, at this point, you got to just keep everything intact as best you can because you still got to win a pretty big game, right? Against an opponent that's not a, you know, Kansas. This is this is actually a good opponent that we should win, considering how we're built right now. But it's still, you know, you never know with a new head coach. So <laughs> if we already talking about he about to make the same mistakes and he ain't coached the a week yet it's gonna be he, a coach, he, he hasn't had a chance to fill out a staff i'm like it's a little bit of overreaction like it's overreaction to his first press conference you know marcus was just you know being transparent and allow people to like enjoy 
you know, the process he's going through and you have fans like, oh, my God, he doesn't know where to be in the practice. Like, relax. Just, just relax. Just let it look. I'm telling you, you've been dating a girl for 12 years. You know, the, the, the chicken may not be cooked the same. Man. You ready to throw a fit. You got to remember, right. this, just, this is new now. This is new. You <laughs> had Thai chicken before. This is some this is some, uh, some good seasoned chicken, you know. Next question. Comment, Coach Malone. So does Freeman make a push to get Kevin Austin and Avery Davis to say? I'll let you go ahead because I what I say might be controversial. I think Marcus Freeman got to get his guys in, you know. Mm-hmm. If Marcus Free is if, uh, Kevin Austin and Avery want to stay, then that's great. You know, you helping the cause. But I don't think Marcus Freeman should be thinking like, oh, I need to hold on to guys that's that's not buying in right now. You need guys that are buying in because if not, he's got a job to do to get his guys in there as well, get that that – that that Brian Kelly stink out of there and get some, some some new freshness in there. So I hope those guys stay. I think Kevin Austin obviously has a tough decision to make being slotted on the receiver list, but it's a good receiver class as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what he decides. I think what Kyron and Kyle did was decisive and was a good move for everybody, for the team. I think them staying would obviously help, but them leaving was, I think, a greater benefit and made it easier for Marcus yeah. Freeman to start working his roots on younger guys. I don't want Avery Davis back. And see, this is part of the problem, man. Notre Dame, we fall in love. We fall in love with players. They become the people's champ. It's like, yo, if Avery Davis stays, he takes snaps from Deion Cozy. Yep. And then Deion Cozy ends up transferring. It's like, no, 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 let him, like, yo, I appreciate everything you did. I hate the way it ended. You know, transfer, go somewhere else. I mean, Avery came in as a quarterback, so. Exactly. So, you know. Let's get a let's get a, a bona fide receiver. Man, put Deion Cozy <laughs> and, and Lorenzo Styles Jr. out there with Kevin Austin next year, and then Jaden Thomas, and get the new recruits in, and let's rock and roll, man. Let, like, that's rock and roll. Hopefully, we hold on to a Morion Walker and Tobias Merriweather. That's your six. You know, if you want to bring in a transfer to get add depth, I'm all for that. But it's like I do think transfers are a good way to kind of ease the groove. You know, Jack Cone was a a great was a great opportunity for us to to ease that 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 uncertainty in the season. Yeah, because he's such a seasoned veteran for us, I think it would be good to do that as well, especially at the receiver position. I think it's worked out even with the the kid that's playing in Los Angeles with Ben. But I think a receiver that's experienced and has been in the transfer portal, he's an older guy, would be good for a team like Notre Dame as a receiver to be a good leader in that room until we figure out a coach or a bona fide guy that's developed to take it over. I mean – you know, a guy like a Jameson Williams wouldn't be bad. <laughs> yeah. He were Irish, a head coach, and other coaches can't do their, their own jobs that they have to hold Dale's hand. CJ Verbal commits since August, and within 36 hours of commitment day, recruitment, recruit to be commits. Well, it's not really within 36 hours. Like, he was already thinking about decommitting. This has been, like, weeks. I would say 36 hours because Lincoln Riley got there. 
Lincoln Riley plays a factor, guys. Yeah, like, if Lincoln Riley doesn't end up at USC, he's probably doing right. the fold. Yeah, so it's not like Notre Dame didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I mean, listen. People have seen, to realize. We've seen, we seen a staff do it wrong to Urban Meyer. Right. You know, Urban Meyer's staff is, is you know, that's the staff that's doing it wrong. Right. Let's see what's, what Marcus Freeman puts together, and I think we'll get a better result. Yeah, Notre Dame didn't do anything wrong. Now, Dale Alexander actually got him to commit. It's just that, look, Notre Dame is in a difficult position, and I know we hate to hear this because we're Irish fans. Marcus Freeman said it. I think I have the clip. Let's see if we have the clip here. I think this is from his press conference. This is the clip. I think this is where he's talking about the type of guys to get. Well, I think it starts with we're going to recruit at the highest level and we're going to recruit the best football players in the country that fit Notre Dame. And you're not going to change the standards at Notre Dame. But there are certain players out there that fit Notre Dame that they might not know. And so our job as a coaching staff is to be able to communicate with these young people what Notre Dame can do for your life. And that's what I plan on doing. Yo, let me tell you something, man. If C.J. Williams, I'm glad he had to come to Jesus moment because it's like, if you didn't want to really be here, don't come. Yeah, this is a perfect like, time. Don't make a decision because it's like it's the shortest midget in the room. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, well, USC stinks. UCLA is mid. So I guess I'll go to Notre Dame. No, we don't need we don't need you that bad. We It's not that serious. Yeah, we need diehard Notre Dame for now. You, no. We uh, you know that's it's, and that's a good thing with with Marcus Freeman being there too. He gets to clear house a little bit. Yeah, get all those recruits that were just I'm in it for the for the fame type of people and and get guys that that see the the program for what it is and like Marcus Freeman. Their families like Marcus Freeman. You know, I love the little pictures he be putting up with guys in his office. So when I when I see the family pictures with the coach, I think that's a something that Marcus Freeman can get behind. He's not really thinking of a C.J. Williams that's on the fence like that because he's, he's trying to circle the wagons and get a, a strong core, especially in recruiting going into these bowl games yeah. that can stem a great spring that he's looking forward to. Brian Mac, uh, Byron McIntyre, can't believe this. Our wide receiver room is just torn up and recruiting once again. It's like Groundhog Day. Hey, uh, man, I feel you. I feel you. But as Malik pointed out, it's really connective tissue because the wide receiver situation is directly connected to the quarterback situation. Like I'm directly just, tying it to Tommy. This is a great – people are not putting a perspective on how important Tommy is being almost the second head of the team, being the offensive coordinator. Because yeah, yeah. you got to think, these kids are thinking about, do I want to play for Tommy Reese too? <laughs> you know, they're they looking at how are they – Giving Kevin Austin the ball right now, is that enough for a guy that's thinking like a, a Theo Weiss or a, um, you got your top receivers out there today that are like, do I fit in a structure like that? Do I get the ball enough like that? Or do I have to wait behind Kyron? Do I have to wait behind a Michael Mayer? So Tommy Reese, this, this bowl game can tell a lot of what these recruits will see in their future at that receiver position. But until you get a great position coach that's flashy or a flashy offense or a superstar quarterback, 
you know, it's going to be hard to to catch a superstar receiver in that, in that same aspect. Yeah, and as far as the 2023 class, this is the difference, bro, right? Malik Elzey, Chicago kid, Simeon vocational. You know, Simeon is just not a basketball school. They put out athletes that play football as well. So Malik Elzey was in South Bend. You know, he tweeted out, yo, how do I look in the uniform? Everybody loved it. Chicago kid, Carnell Tate, even though he's at IMG, Chicago kid, went to Marist, a Catholic school in Chicago. Those two guys, four-star recruits at wide receiver from the class of 2023, they won't, Notre Dame won't have that problem that they have with a Devin Moore, CJ Williams. This is your backyard. So the cold doesn't affect them. You don't have to worry about them getting lonely. They can drive home. It's like a quick trip to go see their family. Their family can come see them. So some of the issues that might come up with trying to pull a, a modern-day kid away from USC or Devin Moore away from Florida, when you go after those type of guys, you won't have that problem. So Malik Elzey has Notre Dame in the lead, more than likely. Alabama and some of the Southern schools are making a push. But Notre Dame is more than likely where he's going to end up. And Carnell Tate has been kind of like forecasted for Notre Dame recently, and he might sign with them tomorrow as well. So, And that's a great point, and that's a and that's a really great point. You know, I think when you're talking about this Marcus Freeman move and what direction he heads in recruiting, I think starting small and building it like the Midwest kind of structure it is is, is a yeah. great place. Yeah. You think about Brian Kelly that's been doing it for 12 years in one place, he had to start recruiting around the world because his effect wasn't as strong where he was next door. He had to go out to California and get guys like that. So now maybe the strength of the, the recruiting is in the Midwest, is around Notre Dame, because not only do you get a stronger loyalty, like you said, family can see him a lot, but also Marcus Freeman has a Midwest effect too. He's had some Ohio State type of influence in recruiting. He's got some Cincinnati influence in recruiting. Those are those are some grittier type of guys and you know, you build a team that's central to what the schedule is. We're not affected by the cold. You're not affected in the heat. You know, you're a bigger team since you're getting Midwest guys. You're not skinny like the, the Pac-12, you know, usually has some guys like. So maybe we do get a, a Big Ten-based team, but with a few different flavors around the country. Yo, Ohio gave you Lorenzo Styles Jr. Like, there are playmakers in Ohio, Michigan, Illinois the surrounding areas, you know, Chris Olson, um, Olson just checked in on a kid from Kankakee, Illinois. That's a four star defensive back kid runs a 10 two. Yeah. You know, yeah. one state in the hundred, I believe, or the 200, I forget which one it was down in Kankakee. So you have talent around here and it's time to like, let's circle the wagons. Circle let's reestablish our recruiting plan. Because what Marcus Freeman just said, we're going to go get guys that want to, that fit Notre Dame. Yeah. All and, right. And the best thing to do it is get guys that at least get it on their TV every day. You know, yes. at least at least got the stores and filled with a couple flags here and there. So I think that's, that's where you start. I mean, you get a guy like Lorenzo Styles in Ohio, the narrative you got to go to California, Texas, and Florida isn't as true. Because another thing about the Midwest, you're going to get you some linemen. Yeah. I think that's where we're going to win in recruiting over at USC. We may not get a C.J. Williams that's, that's great on the internet, yep. but we may get a couple of linemen that we can develop 
get a couple of Renzo styles that ain't you really ever heard of, but he's a love he loves the program. And we can really push push out some wins, but you still have to get that quarterback. So I think he'll have a uh, a good time shed culling the fat, getting to the to like you said, circling the wagons and if you just work on that quarterback, that'll help a lot recruiting as well. Yo, the quarterback you need is right up the road in Detroit. In the Midwest. Tell so, you what, you're right there. He plays in the cold. So plays once again, cold. it's a must get. And like you said, Mike Elston now, it seems like, you know, he's understood. You know, let me go work this Atlantic area. Let me yeah. work this Midwest to go get these impact defensive linemen. You know what I'm saying? Because he's out. he was out in D.C., all last week, looking at Jason Moore, Nicholas Harbor, Dio Avery, Devon Houston, all these guys at ESPN 300 defensive mm-hmm. linemen, and they're all within like 30 minutes of each other, yeah, on the Eastern Coast because it's difficult to go to SEC country and get the big boys to leave and come up to Notre Dame. You have to have special guys like a Lewis Nix, like a Stephon Tuitt, that want to be at Notre Dame, and those don't happen. I mean, it might be three or four years before you get a guy like that. Yeah, if you if you start winning, it'll get some guys. But yeah. from a from a spending all your time down there, probably not not worth it as much. Yeah, because in that same class with Stephon Tuitt, you got an Aaron Lynch, who's the total opposite side of that. He That's was right. a guy that was homesick homesick from the jump, talking about he was missing his girlfriend. Man, come on, man, go hey. go back to Florida. Mark, that's not a Marcus Freeman recruit, though. I don't no. I don't see guys that he's recruiting are even that type. You know, even if they are really good. And this is something else, man. These these recruits, these kids, like, don't be sensitive. Like, you're in the era of social media. Don't say, respect my decision. Look, man. Fan nobody base really cares, for real. Yeah, <laughs> nobody cares. It's your decision. But then people have the right to be upset. Like, respect my decision. Yeah, if you if you put it out there, somebody's going to talk about it. So that's yeah, just how, that's how the internet works. And secondly, we don't even care because – you ain't at the school. You ain't in any school yet, so you're not affecting nobody. You're not affecting anybody, man. So uh, let's see. Anthony Solomon, Reeves will need to show a more diverse offense featuring wide receivers to dispel the narrative that Notre Dame is only focused on running backs and tight ends. ND must recruit more quarterbacks like TB, Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady wasn't all of that in college. Or maybe talking about Tyler Buckner. I'm bugging. Man, I don't know how you got Tom Brady. That's a Michigan guy, too. Yeah, you know, I said TB, you automatically think about Tom Brady. And I forgot Tyler Buckner was his own TB. Or the other younger version of TB12, shall I say, for Notre Dame. I'm thinking Tim Brown. You know, go Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Man, we're going to get ready to close up here, man. We just had to really talk about what's going on in the wide receiver room and get you guys to see, get you guys in here. Uh, oh, Rob Tidoff. What's up, my man? Thanks for checking in. Is it possible for Coach Freeman to get Brian Hartline as wide receiver coach from uh, OSU? So here's my intel, okay? Uh, yesterday before Sunday Night Football, Jason Locking for broke news that Trace Armstrong, who is the second in command, at CAA under Jimmy Sexton and is the direct connect to coaches like Brian Kelly, uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, Jimbo Fisher, and Ryan Day. It was rumored, not even rumored, it was pretty much reported 
that Trace Armstrong, who is a former uh, defensive end from Florida, first-round pick, and also uh, played with the Bears for nine seasons in the NFL, has a great relationship with the McCaskies. He has had discussions to either become the president of football operations or general manager for the Chicago Bears. And Jason Lockenford said he is going or looking for, looking to bring Ryan Day with him. That was reported late yesterday. Uh, of course, Trace Armstrong went on social media to dispel the rumor. He has to. Why? Because Matt Nagy is his client as well. So you don't want that rumor out there like when your client is the current head coach and there's a rumor out there saying you're bringing another one of your clients in with you when you take the job as general manager. It's not a good look. So I totally understand why Trace Armstrong tried to go out there and put that fire out. But usually with that smoke mm -hmm. that fire, Ryan Day has been the high rumor around the Bears. They've already started their coaching search. Uh, they're reaching out. Their number one candidate is Sean Payton. That's the guy they want. Illinois guy, uh, played football. And Illinois is a Chicago kid, played football in Eastern Illinois. They want Sean Payton. I don't know what picks and everything else as far as compensation they would have to give up to the Saints to get them. That's a long shot in my opinion. But the guy that has been the talk of the town has been Ryan Day coming to the Chicago Bears in one way or another. So if Ryan Day goes to the Chicago Bears, Brian Hartline to Notre Dame might, might have legs. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we depend on everything on Brian Hartline to change it, then, then that's a good hire if all those dominoes fall. I think Coach Freeman still, man, is a, is a first year. He's going to be able to figure it out. Yeah, This is one of the many challenges he's going to face, but I think the best way to start is, is get a great quarterback. That's every head coach. You know, Lincoln Riley, that's how he got hot in college football, started getting a great quarterback and everything else fell in place. Yeah, like you said, it starts with the first game. Like, yo, let's see how this team looks. Marcus Freeman has already changed up the way they practice. He's put in more one-on-ones at the beginning of the practice. That's, you know what? Talk about that. What was like – what was bowl preparation under Brian Kelly like? Because the first reports of the first two practices is like competitive, out the jump, one-on-ones to begin practice, and it's something that that team hasn't done uh, over the last two or three seasons to start a practice. I mean, bowl game practice, we really chilling, man. It's, <laughs> you know, let the young guys get in there, get some reps, do some, some walkthroughs, get to start a late practice, you know, you just do some stretch, and, you know. So you definitely, I expect Marcus Freeman to do a lot different considering, you know, you got to win this game. <laughs> right, right, right. I think we've got – when you're dating that girl for 12 years, you know, you're going to the same restaurants. You know, you know how to surprise her on her birthday. So, for big events, you kind of know the routine because you know what she likes. So, yeah. in this case, when you date a new girl, you got to take her somewhere fun. You might have to go to a amusement park. You got to do some things and pizzazz yeah. and catch the interest of the team. So, that's all we're doing right now. We just finding new ways to spark a relationship with Marcus Freeman and the team. And so a lot more one-on-ones, competitive stuff, the stuff guys like to do. 
Yeah. Um, that's that's going to get their interest and get them hyped for this game. Because uh, the whole goal is to not come out flat. You know, you don't want to come out flat as a first-time head coach. And I think doing that style of practice will be helpful for that. And it's it's a it's a good way of saying this is how I'm different, Ellie. Was that uh, Real Sports Talk with Alex at Malik? Love the way you play at Notre Dame. Do you think Indy will be okay still wide receiver wise? I guess uh, you can answer that for the bowl game and then going into next season. We're gonna be straight because we're still Notre Dame, so we're getting we're getting guys that are semi comparable. We're just considering these guys compared to Ohio State's receiver room, Alabama's receiver room. So if we talk a lot about that comparison, but that's what we're trying to get to. But if we fall short of that, we're still better than 90% of the receiver rooms out there, in my opinion. So, like I said, if, if things change with recruiting and new head coaching, we'll see how Marcus Freeman goes from there. But for this bowl game, I think we'll be fine. Uh, it's not like we, we lost Kyron, but we didn't lose any receivers. So, uh, we still got Jack Cohn and Michael Mayer, so we'll be good on that end. Uh, Kevin Austin's still going to be there. And then uh, next season moving forward, I think either cleaning house if Avery decides to leave and Kevin decides to leave. We got Styles that can got some time last year, some guys getting in there. We'll, we'll see a young group, but this is a fresh group. Maybe it'd be a good change for Tyler Buckner to change his style of play as well. So I'll see a lot of comments. You know, like, look, I'm not saying I don't want Avery Davis on the team. That's not what I'm saying. If we're talking about changing narratives – and not holding on to guys just because we like them. Like, I would much rather have Deion Cozy getting snaps than to have him taking Avery Davis taking snaps away from him. Because if, if Kevin Austin returns, that's one outside guy. Lorenzo Styles Jr. is on the other outside. Yeah. Okay. Now, who's in the slot? Because Jane Thomas, according to reports, is doing his thing. Right? So Jane Thomas is the first man off the bench in the bowl game. So he's a twisted ankle away from getting his opportunity in the bowl game. That's right. And you want him to go into next season sitting on the side, not getting the reps he needs to get better, not getting the attempts and the targets? Why? To bring wow. back Avery Davis, it's like, all right, cool. Like, it would be nice to have him on the team, but it's like we keep talking about the future. Let's go to the future. Okay, you have this – you know, you got a new head coach. This quartet of young receivers move to the future with them. You and know? this is what this year should have been built off of. We should have been playing these younger guys anyway. Facts. And we've been saying that because, you know, for situations like these, we knew we were going to have to play younger guys eventually. Yeah. But if we were doing that this whole season, I think a lot of what these, these decisions made now wouldn't be made if that progress took place. Yeah. I think Avery probably would have been gone earlier or something. You know, things would have been a lot more decided by now. I got Eugene Williams always checking in with us. He said, I'm heated, fam. Sorry, I'm late. Don't be heated. You want guys that want to play, you know, especially for a new head coach. You don't want no, no guys on the fence right now. Yeah. Especially in a, in a time like this. We're trying to play Ohio State first game, we got to come out right. Yeah, facts. John A1, Indy now has to recruit Austin, Lindsey, and Davis to stay 
2022. Heck, I forgot about Braden Lindsey. That's more staff. I, that's more reason for Avery Davis. Like, if you bring Avery Davis back and you have Austin Lindsey Davis, Posey, and Styles Jr., I guarantee you Jade Thomas is transferring. This like, is where Coach Kelly comes in great, though, because he, he cold-blooded with it. He'll just kind of force you out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, you cannot expect in today's college football with the transfer portal the way it is, kids are not about to sit around for two seasons waiting for an opportunity. So you hear this kid is lighting it up in practice for the bowl game, and then you spring and bring him to the screen, and all of a sudden in fall camp, you know, he's sixth on the depth chart. Nah. No nah. Way. And then you're upset when you see Jaden Thomas has entered the transfer portal. Yeah, it's popular to get in there now, so you really got to toe that line on being honest with these kids. Or, Am I going to play? Yeah. That's facts. Uh, well, and Jeremy... Freeman is a smart man. I think so, too. <laughs> Brian Kahn says, get Tim Brown involved with the receivers. Who cares on no Tim Brown? What did you say? Who cares on no Tim Brown to be like, man, I want to go there because of Tim. Well, that's, a, that's an indictment, dude, because Tim Brown should be around the program. He should be. Joe Montana should be around the program. You know what I mean? Should be. That's a card you pull out your pocket on a recruiting weekend, like. Yeah. Yo. You need to get on Steve and Jelly to get his receiver. Get start recruiting his receivers, man. You know. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew Hater says, Sean, why you repping the LA hat tonight of all nights? It matched my outfit, man. Like, Thanks, yo, man. I didn't know the kid was gonna be commit today, man. <laughs> no That's clue. all gravy. Hey. We don't want kids that don't want to be here. Hey, you have to. I, like I said, they they have their eyes set and they're in really good position with Carnell Tate and Malik Elsey. Yeah, we, really good position. And those are two kids that would fit Notre Dame because they're Midwest kids. They're used to the culture. They know what it's like to play in cold weather. Like if you go to Simeon, by the time it hits October, like your games as a wide receiver is 40 degrees. So playing in Notre Dame is not a problem. Correct. It's not a problem. No one can negative recruit, you know, with weather. <laughs> when you're a kid from Chicago, or generally when you're a kid from the Midwest, because half of your games, or at least the last month of your games, are in the cold. Yeah, yeah. So recruiting smarter, not harder. That's the goal. Toby said everyone's shooting at Dell because CJD commitment, but for me, it's the lack of development in the wide receivers and all the transfers. Well, dude, we yeah, we touched on that. We went down his resume from 2018, 19, and 20, and the inability to retain wide receivers in the class and develop is just not good, man. And you know, hopefully Marcus Freeman sees that. And as much as he might like Dell, he realizes that, yo. Um, things could change. Carnell Tate could be. I said he could be announced. I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll be pre preemptive to 
make a change at the at that position without it something happening. I think something would have to happen for him to make that change from uh, a clear coaching standpoint. Yeah, for Dale, it would have to be like a receivers dropping every pass or something for him to really make that change. I don't think a decommitment would sway him to reconsider necessarily. Uh, man, Searcher Green in the comments said that Amorion Walker just posted on Instagram, posting himself in a Kansas State uniform on Instagram. Well, if you want to go to Kansas State, go look, to Kansas State. Ain't nobody, yeah, if you, if you want to choose Kansas State over Notre Dame, that's, we'll probably never see him. We're not, we'll probably never play him anyway. You know? See, this this is right. This is perfect. It's perfect, bro. Perfect. So we can just lay it out, right? Yeah. He, what it's like being Notre Dame. Like you date a girl, right? And so you catch her out one weekend and she's with. It's lame, dude. Yeah, lame, dude. Yeah, it's like, go ahead. Ain't nobody worried about it. Like, word? <laughs> like, like, it we're makes not, you laugh. We're, we're, yeah, we're not sweating that. We're not no. sweating that. Like, man, it's it's different. Like, with CJ, because CJ is out. Okay, oh, you out with the Oh, West okay, Coast. you got, oh, oh, I, I see her in the magazine for, okay. All right. For sure. Like, yeah. Okay. Shit, yeah. Okay. You, 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 okay. <laughs> Kansas State. Like, come on, man. It's like, man, you you must have just want a good time or something. You ain't really like, serious about nothing, man. Like, matter of fact, you walk up to the table like Tay Diggs and Brown Sugar. Like, oh, what's up? Yes, <laughs> he meeting you here. I just want. This you. This what you rocking with? Uh, right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't run from that. Matter of fact, all the Notre Dame fans should run to his Instagram right now. Like, yo, you look real nice. Yeah, that's, hey, you look good in that uniform, man. Yeah, you look dope man. in that uniform. You look Wild cat. You rocking that. You rocking You a wild cat, man. You a wild cat, man. Like, enjoy Manhattan. <laughs> Do your thing. <laughs> Come on, man. You want to flirt with Kansas State? Yeah, you a wild cat. You wild cat. <laughs> Matt Anderson, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but what if Indy gets, gets blown out in the bowl game? They would just add one more major bowl they lose since 1993, too. Uh, I'm willing to put some money down with you, Matt. Uh, I don't think we get blown out. Even if we would lose, I don't think we get blown out. Yeah. Blown out is nah. A lot would have to go wrong. I think a lot. It would be the harder for us would to have to play. Out. The defense would have to play god awful. Like the defense will keep them in the game. I'm not yeah. worried about that. Oklahoma State has a good defense too, so it's not gonna be know. a I don't see them scoring 40 points on us and no crazy stuff like that. And Spencer Sanders is yeah, good. like we talking about Spencer Sanders, not Spencer Rattler. Right. Spencer Sanders is not good. He's not putting 45 on Notre Dame. No. Uh, Brian Khan says, Go get you a 10 2 dude and, and teach him how to catch. That's Kevin Austin, big, tall, fast dude. Just hey, go up. Oh, this is for you, bro. This is from the show earlier today. We put the question out there, they want you to answer. 
best concert you ever attended? Because we were talking about how dope Rolling Loud was. Yeah, I actually went to Rolling Loud too. Um, the best concert I ever went to was probably uh, the Lala Palooza in Chicago. What I tell? Hold on. I tried to tell. Yo, bro. Hold on. That's it, man. That's it. I told everybody that watched this morning. I'm like, yo, <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. From this is a good vibe. From July to August, that whole festival season in Chicago. It's real nice. It's second to none. Second to none. Second you gotta, you gotta go. If you haven't gone, you gotta go. Lollapalooza is it's. At this point, it's just too many people for me, man. It's yeah, it gets deep. Yeah, but if you, I like Chicago though, and, and where it's at and how it's set up, it's just a it's a good setup for me. Did you pay? No, I had I had got some tickets from you know. Okay, I was about to say, like I, you know, I tell people all the time, if you don't know how to sneak into Lollapalooza, then you're not doing it right. Chicago, a big city, man. You know, it's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. Uh, it's always a way in. Always. You got to know somebody. That's all. All right. That was your best concert? Uh, let's see. Angel Say it again. You broke up a little bit. This dudes that commit, they're not, they can't get into ND because grades, that's all. The dude goes to modern day. I doubt very seriously that grades is an issue. Like, that grades is not brought to my daughter. I mean, how many years are you going to on that grades page? Grades page, I feel like now. Let's just see how it really falls out. And good players, they're going to come. Obviously, good players got to be smart. So, you know, I think he's going to yeah hey bro see if you can reconnect because like your phone is breaking up the audio see if you can reconnect we'll let him reconnect uh let's see Seth clark sean the avery davis things about the wide receiver room numbers how many you need like if he's back that's seven wide receivers like no no, you got six, and then you have more coming in with the class. No, I don't want Avery Davis taking snaps from young receivers. I just don't. I'm, I love him. It would be sentimental for him to come back and be in the room. Is he coming back? Avery Davis is not coming back to sit on the bench and mentor guys. If he comes back, they're going to put him in a slot, and he's going to take reps from wide receivers that need to get out there and get better and have opportunities. Point blank. So if you're asking me whether or not I want to lose two years of Jaden Thomas to have him come back for a six-year, give me the two years of Jaden Thomas over a six-year Avery Davis. It's, it's simple for me. And I love Avery Davis. But at some point, you got to change the narrative and allow these young wide receivers to see that they're going to get an opportunity and they're not going to be put behind these veterans the way Brian Kelly used to do it. It's like, I understand the love, but at some point you just got to let go. You got to let go. Uh, Matthew Southgate. Thank you. I do agree. 
Dell has to prove he can keep these guys in the wide receiver room and get that talent on the field. Let's wait and see again. We are consistently in the top 10. We are doing something right. I, man, wholeheartedly. Uh, I agree with that. Matthew, hey, we straight up receiver next year, especially if K4 stays. Tobias is better than CJ anyway. That I agree with, Matthew. I do like uh, Tobias Merriweather's uh, tape better than CJ. CJ was pretty much, and uh, talking to Brian Driscoll offline today, CJ was really going to be in the slot, and that's a big dude to be in the slot. Big dude. Yeah, Joe Montana needs to get over Nick Montana. His son wasn't that good, period. Get over it. Like, dude, you're one of the biggest NFL stars and Hall of Famers from the university. This university and the education set you up to be out there making the money you're making. And Joe Montana is making ridiculous money right now through his company. I think he just cleared, and this year I think he just cleared something like 19 – no, 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 let me take that back. Something like $9 billion? It's something ridiculous that his company just cleared this year out there in Silicon Valley. So he's out there doing big things, and, you know, Notre Dame and the education and the connections has something to do with that. So he needs to let that go. Nick Montana didn't exactly do anything when he transferred. So, yeah, he let that go. 2022 class isn't great. Good class, not elite. It's all right, Sid Irish. I kind of believe, you know, I can rock with that. Um, I said this earlier on the show today uh, when we talked about Kyron and uh, Kyle leaving early. 2023, if they can line up the offensive side of the ball to be, it doesn't have to be the same. If it can be anywhere close to what they already have defensively in the class now, adding Justin Red. You know, over the weekend, I'm telling you, and the kid from South, you know, I actually love the tape of the kid from St. Louis better than I like Justin Reck. I talked about that this morning as well. So, yo, if they can, man, go out there, add Elsie, add Carnell Tate, get you two Midwest wide receivers, go get Dante Moore. Boom. Once you get Dante Moore, everybody else, all the dominoes will fall. Because everybody is like, yo, I want to play with him. I want to play with this dude. Jeffrey Hudgen, thank you so much. Love this podcast more every time I watch and listen. We appreciate you. Sid Iris, <laughs> CJ is soft. Man, look, I look. He plays at a school every week where they're just better than everybody they play. So we'll see how he progresses. Matthew Savage, love this cast. It's dope. Consistent, solid information. Little bias. Spitting facts. We are in deep, no doubt. Not so angelic. We even play at Indy. Uh, that's a, you know what? Honestly, yeah, he might hit that transfer portal for real. Yeah, told you, Eugene. Lala, Lala is that festival, man. If you haven't been to Lollapalooza uh, in Chicago, man, make it your bucket list because it is a fantastic time.
and say Antoine Porsche Rideau. Yo, I love the way your last name is spelled. Like, man, I love like the whole Rideau, Bordeaux. I love that. If CJ commits to USC because Lincoln Riley's the new coach, doesn't make sense since he never recruited CJ Oklahoma. That, I think you jumped in late. It's not about the connective tissue with receivers going to certain universities. Alabama gets receivers because of the quarterbacks they recruit. Plain and simple. USC back in the day got receivers because of the quarterbacks they had. And it's the same thing. The quarterback room has been suspect at Notre Dame. So there's no connective tissue to get the best receivers and keep the best receivers or for high school kids to say, I want to come play. So Lincoln Riley has never recruited C.J. Williams, but he goes to USC and all of a sudden the best quarterback in California commits. So who do you think C.J. wants to play with? The best quarterback that he's watched as a prep star in California has nothing to do with him being recruited by Lincoln Riley. He knows Malachi Nelson. He knows what he can do. And he's like, yo, that's the dude I want throwing to me in high school. It's plain and simple. You know, and it sucks, but that's what needs to be established at Notre Dame. And that's the pressure that's honestly on Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese has the unenviable task of changing the narrative surrounding Notre Dame getting a big-time quarterback, and allowing that to be the draw for tight ends, offensive linemen, wide receivers, and offensive linemen come to Notre Dame regardless. But when you have big-time quarterbacks, it changes everything in recruiting. Everything. No, Malik wasn't on the next tail collection. I don't know what happened, man. All of a sudden, his audio, his audio was really good, and then all of a sudden it just went. If he doesn't reconnect, we'll see you guys tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. I agree with you, Anthony, man. Yo. Um, Colton Smith, I love Jaden Thomas, Sean, but Avery Davis is a baller. And if we're being honest, he gives us a spark that Lindsey never gave us like he was supposed to. Look, man, y'all can bring him back. I'm telling you what's about to happen. Y'all want to keep doing the same thing over again, playing these veterans and taking reps at one from the youngsters. And when Jaden Thomas enters the transfer portal after fall camp, and we're going to be right back here doing a podcast and everybody's going to be mad. Man, why didn't Jaden Thomas leave? He doesn't want to compete. No, he doesn't want to sit around for two years in the current conditions of college football. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. He's been killing in practice. He's killing in practice in the bowl games. And you want him to sit and wait because Avery Davis came back? Nah, it's not fair. And then the fan base is going to be upset with him because he wants to go find a place where he can get playing time and doesn't have to sit and wait and not get caught in the numbers. Nah. You got to learn to move on, man. You got to learn to move on. I'm sure people at Ohio State are like, man, I wish Jameson Williams had stuck around. Dude, are you kidding me? You got three first, second round wide receivers. It would have been nice for Jameson Williams to be the fourth receiver, but guess what? He left. And I don't think Avery Davis is one of he because he's a spark. 
He's not a first, second round receiver. It'd be different if you were talking about bringing back a guy that's like very similar to Kevin Austin. He's a slot receiver. He is a technician. He runs routes very well. That's what he does. But would you choose him or Lorenzo Styles? Would you choose him or Kevin Austin next year? At best, he's going to be your third or fourth receiver. At best, Jane Thomas can do that. So are you going to sacrifice two to three more seasons of Jaden Thomas just to bring him back for a sixth season coming off uh, an ACL? I mean, it's a tough choice. I'm not willing to sacrifice in current conditions with a transfer portal the way it is. I'm not sacrificing my youngsters at the wide receiver position to appease a six-year player. I'm just not doing that. And it has nothing to do with how I feel about Avery Davis personally. I'm not doing it. If he chooses to come back, I'm sure Notre Dame will take him back. I don't want him back if he's taking reps from the youngsters. I just don't. I just don't. What's up, they bro? On you real, they on you real tough about the Avery Davis. Yeah, dude. Look, man. It's like we keep banging our head against the, against the wall looking for a different outcome. Right, people keep people keep forgetting Avery Davis was a quarterback commit. It's okay, we we can get rid of our Taysom Hill if he doesn't want to be there. You know, I think, like you said, those young guys with this transfer portal being such a prominent thing, a guy jumping that thing at any moment, you know, at any moment. So, we don't want to jeopardize hanging on the guys that are on the fence, and I think. It's okay to move on. Avery Davis done graduated. I think he's had a great uh, transformation from where he started to where he's at right now. And maybe a fresh start somewhere else is, some, is something that he can probably get more of. I think we've seen lots of guys yeah, I don't know. do that. Yeah. Matthew Southgate said, I disagree. Look at the past 10 years. How many elite quarterbacks win the that? Alabama well, does not have elite quarterbacks that get guys that fit – Wait a minute, are we talking about elite quarterbacks in college or are you trying to, like, look at them on the NFL? Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson were elite quarterbacks. They got national championships, right? Jameis, Cam, Mac Jones. I don't do. Name me the non-elite quarterback in college that won a national championship. Yeah, I can't even. You have to go back to like Alabama when they ran the ball and had AJ McCarron. And AJ McCarron was still in the league right now. So it's like AJ McCarron was a really good. Mac Jones was an elite college quarterback. He beat out the Heisman Award winner last year. I don't really know what these people are referring to, but I mean, maybe they're talking about NFL elite quarterback. But last I checked, Alabama's last three are in the NFL starting. <laughs> it goes back to our point. Wide receivers want to go to schools that have elite quarterbacks. Bryce Young just won the Heisman at Alabama. And Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley has what three Heisman Award winners as quarterbacks, or is it two? Yeah, what are we, what are... Like there's a reason why receivers go to certain schools. The top. Thanks. I don't and the only school I think that bucks the trend is LSU. Joe Burrow won a championship and look at Joe Burrow leading them Bengals. Yeah, but even before, even before Joe Burrow, 
they were able to put out, you know. Ryan Paralu? Remember Ryan Paralu? Come on, fam. He wasn't elite. Come on. Come on. Come on. Brian, did you just mention Ryan Paralu, dude? <laughs> Ryan yeah. Paralu was a great recruit. Matt, next, you're going to bring up Matt Monk, right? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. I understand Matthew was – I think Matthew was just – he's showing hope from Notre Dame. Like, yeah. that narrative is not changing, bro. If you don't get a if you don't get a big time, we said either it has to be an NFL elite quarterback, or at worst, he has to be an elite college quarterback. At, at worst. worst. At worst. At worst. Ian was a very, very, very good quarterback at in college. And that wasn't enough. So it just shows you the range right there. See, here you go. Angel Flores. I don't know if Angel's being sarcastic. Indy Nation, we don't win the recruiting championship, but we we win the graduation percentage championship, and that's important. Hey, man, on Saturdays, I don't give a darn about GPAs. I'm sorry. I don't care not about your GPAs. And the fans that come to the stands, when they're looking at the scoreboard, you don't get extra points for your GPA. When you're on that football field, that's what it's all about. He, he, he they've been reading to me recruiting pamphlets and recruiting videos, you know. Right. Uh, Anthony Solomon, yes. Nate Montana was was average. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. <laughs> A lot of people, man, are tripping on the fact. That Matthew said, you know, elite Alabama didn't have elite quarterbacks. Yeah, it was like, like they've had the most elite quarterbacks, probably. Like, not even had, didn't have them, they had the most. Yeah. And Jimmy Clawson was the last big. Jimmy Clawson was the last big quarterback. Oh, Gonna Kill. He was a local guy, five star. No, degree means everything. Now, I disagree with that. I'm not about to shortchange what a degree from Notre Dame means. Like, that degree means everything. So we're not about to do that. We're not about to downplay the degree from Notre Dame. That means everything. Yeah, Caleb Downs is a big get. Peyton Bowen, Christian Gray, like – We'll talk about this tomorrow morning. Yeah, we'll compare Christian Gray and Justin Rett on tomorrow's show for everybody. You know, I'm a Christian Gray guy. Justin Rett, you know, from Gorman, he gets a lot of take because he's from Gorman, a lot of buzz. But, yo, Christian Gray is a dude for me out of St. Louis. And you start putting together that type of proof. I'm telling you, this defensive class in 2023 has the opportunity to uh, be the best ever at Notre Dame, the way it started out. No, absolutely. It's, it's saying something, but it's saying also that we know the defense went from being the lead, but now it's the spotlight of the team with Marcus Freeman, the head coach. So I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of top defensive players commit. Now I just want to see that one quarterback commit that we can can lean on in the tough times. 
like this one here this is the last one bro and then we can let everybody go so we can uh, get ready for tomorrow i don't disagree i don't think davis should start but y'all really will keep Lindsay over davis is insane considering he's literally gets hurt every time he touches the ball um you're the quarterback man you can you can handle that one well i think they both serve different purposes i think avery gives us a good well, I think Avery's more replaceable than Braden Lindsey right now just because Braden has that speed. So if he can get him half of the time, I think he's a, still a, a bigger threat than what Avery can offer in the whole scheme of things. Um, and then with just Braden Lindsey, you don't have to use him every down. You know, you can use him for big plays like we did Will Fuller in the very beginning of his career. Using for some big plays as a as a utility guy, he can still be able to do what he needs to do and get a guy a young guy in in in, in place of that. That can get more of those reps that Avery would consume anyway. Avery Davis is a slot receiver, man. That's it. He's a slot receiver coming off an ACL. Like, I don't care how much you dislike Braden Lindsey. Avery Davis is a slot receiver coming off an ACL. I mean, like, we just really don't see it. And he comes back, and if he's not the same and doesn't produce, then fans will be all over the message boards talking about him and saying, like, yo, we should have let him go. That's... That's just a fan. That's a fan thing. I don't know. Yeah, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, subscribe, share, like. We appreciate you guys so much for jumping on with us, you know, for this emergency podcast to really talk about the wide receiver room. And uh, I'll get to the last but not least. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not here to play school, man. Uh, no, not on Saturday. No, no, and I'm all about education. I promise. I want to play whatever Alabama plays. How about that? Man, you know, so we'll see you guys tomorrow morning, bright and early, 9 a.m. Eastern time. We'll be talking a little bit more about decommitment and, you know, some of the things that will be happening. We are on signing day eve tomorrow. That's right. so we'll that's get right. to that, and then we'll tell you about our signing day show and how that's going to look on Wednesday. So for Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik, I'm Sean Davis, SD2 Mike's. Spin it different, people. Sleep, sleep well.